reading of the scriptures from Isaiah chapter 52 and verses 1 to 6. So I invite your faithful and joyful hearing of the public reading of God's word. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God. My people went down at the first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them for nothing. Now therefore, but what have I here? Declares the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away for nothing. Their rulers wail, declares the Lord, and continually all the day my name is despised. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day, they shall know it is I who speak. Here I am. It's something of my experience that the more and more uh, companies, uh, institutions, uh, give their employees or those who belong to the institution uh, some type of identity card. You know, if you go to a Institution of higher learning, you, you get an ID card. Uh, member of the military, you get an ID card. You work for the federal government, you get an ID card. Everyone seems to have an ID card. Maybe you don't work for a company that makes you have ID cards, but you certainly carry uh, one in your wallet if you, uh, if you drive. Uh, sometimes uh, companies even do more than that. They make you wear uniforms. Uh, oftentimes we hear on the television, uh, you know, be careful of thus and such a company that someone says they represent. They don't have a uniform on. They don't have an ID card. Don't let them in your house. Well, I, I know you're thrilled to learn uh, such uh, vaulted uh, wisdom as that. But uh, it is the reality that as Christians, uh, we, we have an ID card and we have uniforms. And that's really the point of our text this morning, uh, more particularly that our conduct uh, identifies us we don't carry a card, but we have conduct that is our card. We don't wear uniforms, uh, but again, our conduct is, is our uniform. Uh, and that is the uh, preparations that the prophet Isaiah presses upon the nation uh, as he calls them uh, to leave Babylon. Uh, and, and the form of our text, very interestingly enough, has a number of imperatives. Perhaps as we read the text, you saw that. Uh, by imperatives, I mean commands. They're not suggestions. Okay, they're not, if you want to do this, they are, they are commandments that come from God. And those commandments in each case are followed by reasons. Uh, so that's really the form uh, that, that our text will take in this notion that our conduct identifies uh, who we are. Uh, well, both uh, the nation and, and God uh, are calling for action. Uh, 
if you look at Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 9, uh, the nation is asking God to, to wake up. And so they, they call upon the Lord, wake up, wake up, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Uh, do what you did in days gone by when you killed Pharaoh in the sea. So it's as if God is asleep or taking a nap. Uh, so they're calling upon him to awake. Of course, you and I know theologically that God doesn't sleep. He doesn't take naps. And uh, if we are uh, his people, uh, he, we are ever before him and he ever uh, protects us. Uh, but the nation calls upon God to wake up. Sometimes you and I do that in our prayers. We, we think that God has forgotten us, and so we pray in great distress and lament. And uh, We generally recover our theology, and we thank God, knowing that he is sovereign. Uh, in the 17th verse of chapter 51, God calls upon the nation to wake up. Rouse yourself, rouse yourself, arise, O Jerusalem. So again, both parties are calling God to action or God is calling the nation to action. Uh, here, of course, uh, God addresses the nation once again. Uh, the, uh, the, the context of uh, the commands is that they are to get up and get dressed and get on the road uh, back to Jerusalem, leave Babylon, if you will. Uh, so again, awake, awake, clothe yourself. Uh, and contextually, historically, uh, the nation is in Babylon, so he's calling upon them to uh, return. Uh, you and I know that as the theology of the Exodus, but here uh, it comes to the forefront in this summons to wake up, preparations uh, to wake up. Uh, ultimately, by the way, we know this from the book of the Revelation, God does the same thing to, to the church. Uh, wake up. Get out of Babylon. Uh, get on your journey. Return to the heavenly city. And we'll expand upon that momentarily, but this command to the nations, a command to the church. Wake up. So, uh, first couple of verses come, as I've suggested, with a string of commands. And the first four are, you know, are, are double, as if there's great emphasis. Uh, previously, the nation had asked God to wake up. Now he turns it upon them uh, that they're to wake up. And so, awake, awake. Uh, it's important to uh, discern here the context uh, because uh, many of them don't want to leave. They've grown comfortable. Uh, they don't want to return to Jerusalem. What's in Jerusalem? Hardships. They've got to rebuild the city. They've got to rebuild the temple. Lots and lots of work to do as the land is uh, laying in ruins. I mean, who wants to do that when it's, uh, we've got a good job here? Why move? Uh, that's why God says, wake up and, and get on the road and turn to Jerusalem. And we get comfortable. Uh, we get comfortable in our little niche in life. We get comfortable with our friends. Maybe God, in this text, is telling you to be careful of your friends. They're about to lead you astray. Or uh, wake up in regards to the church that you're a member of. Uh, look at their theology. Look at their confessional statement. How, how they have wandered from their confessional statement and lurched into terrible ruin. So wake up. 
Uh, we have a way of getting very comfortable with our situation in life. And so God breaks upon us. He grabs us and shakes us and says, wake up. because uh, they are asleep spiritually. It's a great and terrible disease to fall asleep spiritually because chiefly we're not physical beings. We are spiritual beings. And uh, we live in a moral universe and God will bring all things into judgment. So to fall asleep spiritually is a place of terrible danger. And so again, God breaks upon them uh, with an alarm clock, awake, awake. Uh, I suspect most of you get up with an alarm clock. I don't know what its sound is, a, a music station or whatever, some type of squawking. But imagine, imagine the voice of God saying, you're asleep. You're in a bad way. You better wake up. That's the point of this text, to get up and get moving back the road to Jerusalem, uh, in our case, back on the way to the celestial city that God has ordained for his word. Uh, and then what follows is another double set of imperatives. Again, Isaiah 52, 1, uh, clothe yourself in your strength, O Zion, clothe yourself in your beautiful garments. Uh, essentially, uh, this text uh, is uh, get up and get dressed behavior that most of us uh, engage in. Uh, we get up and we get dressed. We prepare for the day. And we, we get about the events of the day, whatever they might be, uh, driving to our jobs or our place of study. Uh, again, uh, point of the words of the prophet are get up and get dressed. Uh, it's interesting when you look at the words uh, uh, of their dress, it's something of an identity card. Uh, uh, because it, it speaks of uh, the word beautiful garments. That, that very phrase is used of the priests in Exodus 28. They wore beautiful garments. You and I wear beautiful garments, the garments of our salvation. It identifies who we are by our conduct. Uh, by the way, there's a beautiful, in this illustration of, uh, of, of getting dressed, being clothed, a beautiful illustration, is there not, of, of the gospel itself, because this transaction occurs for us in an early chapter of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. Uh, our, our forefather, uh, Adam and Eve, sinned. And uh, after sinning, they, they, they become guilty, and so uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, uh, they sow for themselves... Uh, uh, fig leaves to, to make a covering, cover themselves, cover their nakedness. Uh, but uh, theologically speaking, we know that, that that won't work because you know once men fall from grace, they can't make a way of salvation. Uh, men, that's the whole point, really, of the history of civilization. Men fashioning fig leaves to cover themselves. Some way to assuage their conscience or some... Uh, act of righteousness and civilization so that they can have a clean conscience. It never works. It didn't work for Adam and Eve. So what does God do? That's the point of the, go the gospel. Verse 21, and the Lord God made garments of skin, so he kills an animal. 
There's an atonement. There's death. There's the shedding of blood. He made garments of skin for Adam and Eve, and God clothed them. That is the gospel. Uh, in, in a certain sense, he's telling the nation to get up and to get dressed and that God provides uh, the garments to return to Jerusalem to leave Babylon. Uh, similar language for the church. As you know, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, uh, the Apostle Paul has, uh, has taught the church. Uh, what has he taught them? He's taught them that they've shed certain things and they've put on uh, certain things. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, if you look at uh, verse 20, but you did not learn Christ in this way. So the apostle has been teaching the church. And what's the content of what he taught them? Well, verses 22 to 24, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. You, you shed your fig leaves. You shed the behavior of what you were in the first Adam uh, because it was corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and put on the new self, which in likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. Uh, Paul taught the church that coming to Christ, they shed what they were in Adam and they put on what they were in Jesus Christ. Clothing metaphor, get up, get dressed, shed the old. Uh, perhaps some of you, uh, you know, I don't know, delve too far into the mundane, but you take off your night garments, put on clothing for the day. Something shedding what you were in Adam and clothed uh, with what you are in Jesus Christ. Uh, it's exactly the theology of the Apostle Paul uh, in uh, Galatians chapter 3 uh, and verse 20, 27. Again, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. Uh, Paul uses this great event of our baptism for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Christ was the Lamb of God. He shed His blood, and we're clothed with His righteousness. That's our, you know, our identity card, if you will, uh, that He gives to us His clothing uh, because we were unworthy. We could not earn our way into His presence uh, because we're fallen creatures. Uh, the metaphor is compounded again. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 putting on and putting off. Uh, and it's really our salvation. When you come to Christ, you put off what you were in Adam. Uh, you put on what you are in Christ. Uh, and sometimes there's ethical expressions to what we put on. And Paul expands upon that in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, look at verse 8. Uh, but you also put them all aside. Uh, Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Uh, when you put off the old man, Adam, uh, you shed uh, what, what that uh, ethical expression was. You don't lie. You don't steal. You don't uh, deceive people. 
You don't engage in malice and hatred and revenge. That's what the world does. We're different. We have a different set of conduct because we put off the old and put on the new in our salvation. Uh, uh, verse 10, and, and if put on, and when you come to Christ, you put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Uh, so in that sense, uh, the prophet Isaiah is saying, get up and get moving, clothe yourself and get back on the road. But the apostles tell us the same thing. But in a retrospect event, you come to Christ and therefore you shed the old and therefore don't return to the old practice and you put on the new, uh, which is righteousness and hope and peace uh, in Jesus Christ. We've been clothed like God clothed Adam and Eve with the skin of an animal that he killed. Uh, blood was shed. In our case, blood was shed. We put on Christ. Uh, it, and so uh, when the prophet is telling the nation to get back on the road uh, to Jerusalem, he's detailing for them conduct uh, that identifies who they are. Uh, and likewise, uh, the apostles remind us that we have put off what we were in Adam, we put it on Christ. Many people know that we're a bit different by virtue of our conduct. You know, in our culture, they know what they know we're different because of things we don't talk about, uh, because there's a certain type of language we 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 don't use. We should be careful in those matters because they're expressions of what we were in Adam. And so again, uh, the prophet is saying, "Get back on the road to Jerusalem because it's wrong to stay in Babylon." Stay in Babylon identifies you as Babylonian and not of the children of God. So it's a very pressing imperative uh, that they're not to take uh, lightly. And so as I suggested uh, a moment ago, uh, what follows these commands, uh, the very important reason that they're to get back on the road to Jerusalem and get out of Babylon. Let's, let's look at that reason, latter part of verse 1. For the uncircumcised and the unclean will no more come into you. Uh, in other words, get back on the road to Jerusalem because you'll never be, that generation will not be invaded again. Notice you can return home knowing that God will protect you. Uh, the reference to the uncircumcised and the unclean reference to Gentiles. Uh, in other words, you won't be taken in ca captivity again. You can go home with a promise that God will keep you safe. Uh, so they can go back to the holy city. Again, that theology breaks upon us. Uh, the, the Apostle John, as you know, uh, alludes to texts like this in the book of Revelation. I turn to uh, Revelation uh, chapter 21, verse 2, verse 2. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. So Isaiah says, go back, get on the road, go back to the holy city. Uh, here John is telling us the holy city is coming for us. Uh, coming down out of heaven from God, uh, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Notice the clothing language. Uh, The bride who's been adorned for her husband. 
So we leave spiritual Babylon and will enter the city, meaning that we will no longer be persecuted, but rather will experience the full reality of restoration and our union from God. I think John is borrowing from the theology of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, And there is a sense uh, in which we've already partaken uh, of this reality in our salvation. Uh, Turn to uh, uh, book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 and 23. But you have... You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels. Uh, you and I have come to that city already in a spiritual sense. Uh, and to the general assembly, the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. In other words, uh, you and I have an identity card that we belong to the heavenly city. Uh, Remarkable expression of the grace of God. Our names are enrolled in the New Jerusalem. Uh, so that, that city will come for us because we are enrolled. Uh, we are citizens of uh, the heavenly city. We haven't entered it in the full reality of heaven coming for us, but we, we belong on its rolls. Uh, it's a great reminder, isn't it, of of uh, the identity we carry. We oftentimes speak of, uh, I, I belong to the city of Oklahoma City. I'm on its rolls. Uh, we know that because uh, the tax man always sends us letters from the state, from the city. Uh, but you and I are, belong to a city that's yet to come. It will come, rescue us. And we will enter it because of the promises of God. But, but the text in Isaiah, and John will do this uh, as we're following and comparing uh, Isaiah with uh, the book of the Revelation. Uh, the uh, text is uh, issuing a warning uh, because uh, not all are going to enter the city of Jerusalem. In this case, there's an excluded class for the uncircumcised and the unclean will no longer come into you. Uh, Gentiles are not going to come into the city of that particular generation. They're excluded. Uh, now that exclusion, we've been going back and forth between Isaiah and John, book of the Revelation, occurs again in the book of the Revelation. There's an excluded class from heaven. Uh, Revelation chapter uh, 21 in verse 27. The reason I'm looking at the text, I think John is alluding to Isaiah. And nothing unclean. And no one who practices abomination and lying shall come into it. Come into what? The, the heavenly city coming. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those who belong to that city because they've been redeemed by the Lamb. But notice an exclusion clause. Not all are going to enter it. They're identified as uh, those who practice abomination and lying. In other words, their conduct betrays that they don't belong there. 
They're not wearing the right uniforms. They're identified as those who don't belong to God. Uh, look at chapter 22, verse 14 and 15. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the gates of the city. Verse 15, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, the immoral persons, the murderer, murderers, idolaters. And notice similar wording as to the verse that I just read, and everyone who loves and practices lying. Well, what's the big deal with lying? Excluded from heaven. Perhaps the standard commentary on Revelation today is written by G.K. Beale. He says that the focus is on those who made professions of faith, but who contradicted it by their sinful lifestyle. That's how prominent New Testament exegete theologian is defining practicing lying. They profess to know Christ, but their conduct, what they wear, contradicts their profession of faith. In that sense, just like Isaiah, John is issuing a warning passage about the importance of how we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ and that our conduct manifests that we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So we don't lie. We don't have a profession of faith that's inconsistent with our conduct. very important to recognize that uh, in the passages from the New Testament that I've just read from the Apostle Paul is that because we have put on Christ in our salvation, there manifestly follows a measure of righteous conduct just as an expression of who we are in Christ, that we've been redeemed, we've been made new, and new people have new conduct. I think that's one of the points that you can extract from Paul's epistles. It is a reminder to the children of Israel that if you don't get on the road, wake up and get dressed with your priestly garments that identify you as a priestly nation and get back on the road to Babylon, you are betraying that you're not God's people by remaining in historic Babylon. In our case, it's the same theology. Uh, we've been uh, made new by the power of Jesus Christ, and we get on the road to the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem is coming for us, and we get on that road because we are citizens and we are fleeing the world because our citizenship is not in this world, it's in heaven, and our conduct manifests that we will enter that city. It doesn't save us, but it's an expression that we are the people of God. It's our conduct of men made new and that our citizenship is in heaven. I, I've mentioned this several occasions going through Isaiah. It's so interesting that one of the greatest debates that's occurring in the world today, certainly in America, is immigration. Who do we let in? great argument. I'm not going to define it for you this morning, but I think certainly you can acknowledge it. It's raging in our political environment today. Would that this argument was raging. Are you in the rolls of heaven? Are you moving there? 
Are you manifesting the conduct of men made new? Because that's the greatest act of immigration in all of the world, streaming on the way which is Christ to the new Jerusalem that is coming for you because you're on its rolls. We're on its rolls because great doctrine of election and that Christ died to purchase us. We're moving towards it, and it's moving towards us. One day, uh, the two will collide in the greatest event of all times. We enter heaven because we've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ, and we exhibit conduct that betrays our conduct that we are men made new. That God makes us clean and clothes us and sets us on the way to heaven. Say, well, what's a big deal with all that? Well, it's a big deal because our culture really betrays uh, the contrary. I see this all of the time, uh, that we don't have to exhibit conduct. We, we have a profession of faith. Uh, who cares what our conduct is? Uh, I was reading an obituary uh, just the other day at that age in life, which I'm attracted by obituaries, so you forgive me, but... Uh, the obituary was remarkable. It said, this man was a devout Christian, but he never went to church. <laughs> so I'm kind of scratching my head. Well, I mean, I understand church is a difficult place. I mean, there's people there. You get your feelings hurt sometimes. Bower Sox steps on my toes. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I understand there's personalities involved. Anytime you get a mix of personalities, you sometimes have problems. That's the nature of the church. I mean, Christ died for, died for us to make us new, to clothe us, and to uh, give us uh, the power by the Spirit to exhibit new conduct. Uh, but, but, but I love that because it's so much of the theology they say. He was a devout man of God, but he never went to church. Well, I don't know. You have to read your New Testament very long before you come uh, to the full-blown reality that the church is a pretty important institution. I mean, Christ died for the church. Ephesians chapter 5, he died for the church. He didn't die for everybody, he died for the church. Uh, we were on the rolls of the church, we were on the rolls of the heavenly Jerusalem, and uh, he took that citizenship role from his heavenly father and purchased uh, the church uh, and sets in motion uh, conduct. So again, uh, it's interesting that the excluded class in Isaiah as well as in the theology of John is get on the right road and keep moving. Exhibit that you belong to God. And you care about the people of God and you care about God and your love of both. The summons of conduct that is in a measure our identity card. The identity card of uh, conduct and that we have a passport that says uh, we uh, are going to the New Jerusalem. We belong there. And uh, God dispatches angels to give us safe passage. That's how we're going to get there, by the way. The blood of Christ and the, the fact that uh, God dispatches agents to give us safe passage. Well, there are more imperatives, uh, returning to theology of Isaiah, uh, 52, second verse, beyond waking up, it's uh, uh, get up out of the dust, the dust of your captivity, uh, take the chains off around your neck and, and uh, 
can get back on the road. Uh, simply remind you once again, uh, sometimes this world, uh, the world of sin and wickedness, becomes a very comfortable place to remain in. And so God uh, uh, sets the alarm off and says, wake up, remember how I clothed you, and keep moving and don't stop. Theology here of Isaiah. It is a text that I've looked at, but I will repair again. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. I heard another voice out of heaven, Come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins, that you may not receive her plagues. Why are we to get on the road, which is Christ, to the new Jerusalem? Because if you remain in spiritual Babylon, you'll be destroyed with the judgment that will come. That's why we move. That's why we exhibit certain standards of conduct. That's why we have an identity card, which is Christ. That's why we have a passport that we belong to the heavenly city. That's why we leave spiritual Babylon, the spiritual world in which we live, because it's under destruction. God will destroy it. You find yourself comfortable in it. Now God will destroy it and whoever belongs to it. And uh, one way we exhibit to the world that we don't belong in spiritual Babylon is our conduct. Uh, we put away anger and malice and revenge and stealing and lying, uh, namely having a profession of faith with an empty, a totally empty conduct. Really, uh, Beale's entire point of the book of the Revelation, trying to awaken professing Christians uh, to the danger that they're in because they've vacated righteous conduct. Isaiah is doing the same thing. Uh, second, a reason for uh, conduct is uh, verse 3, thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing and you will be redeemed without money. Uh, God owned the nation. He never sold them. He doesn't have to buy them back. He owns them. He never relinquished his ownership when he sent them into captivity. Uh, it's a matter of sovereign grace. And for us as the church, it's a great impetus to godly conduct. Uh, it's the grace of God, the sovereign grace of God, that he owns us. We're his people. Uh, the unconditional favor of God uh, is a great motivation to exhibit godly conduct. Parallel to this theology is uh, the Apostle Peter in his, uh, his first, uh, first epistle, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. Uh, there's a summons to conduct and then a reason for that conduct. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Therefore, gird up your minds for action. We could translate that in the theology of Isaiah by getting on the road to, to, to the new city that we belong to. Get out of spiritual Babylon. Gird up your minds. Get, get active. Don't, don't uh, get comfortable in the world in which we live. Uh, verse 14, uh, don't be conformed to your former lusts uh, that you exhibited uh, before you were clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Uh, verse 17, uh, conduct yourselves in fear uh, during your time stay upon this earth. 
Now notice the reason, verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. In other words, do those things because of the cost that God spent in redeeming you. They were redeemed. And uh, we should exhibit a measure of conduct uh, in light of the price that was paid for us uh, by God sending his son to die for us. I mean, when you say, well, I'm, I don't have to do any of those things, I'm just going to act like the world, and you profess to be a Christian, you're saying, well, the blood of Christ doesn't mean much to me. I, so he suffered, big deal. Uh, that's kind of dangerous talk. That's, that's like, hey, I want to stay in spiritual Babylon. It's going to be destroyed, but so what? I, I like it better here anyway. The point that Peter is pressing, the point that Isaiah is pressing, is get on the road, exhibit conduct in light of the price that was paid for you. Uh, the unconditional favor of God. He sent his son who shed his blood uh, that should stir us uh, to want to live for him because of the price that he paid. Uh, greatest of all prices should stir us to uh, exhibit conduct that betrays our identity as the sons of God. If you think about it, you really cannot remain unchanged given what God gave. And that change identifies us as Christians. Uh, and we want to exhibit that conduct, uh, not only because we've been clothed with it in the grace of God in Jesus Christ, but because it identifies us as belonging to him. Reminds us that we're on the rolls of the only city that really matters. Every other city will be destroyed but the new Jerusalem is coming for us. Uh, the, uh, the third reason, verses 4 to 6, is uh, their conduct uh, uh, is, is a way to uh, remind us of God's reputation, not in the sense that God needs standing in the world community, but that redemption is a display of his power and ability to affect his, his promise. You think about it in this line, light, uh, uh, when they were in Babylon, the Babylonians mocked them. Uh, remember the psalm that, you know, the Babylonians would say, hey, uh, uh, while we're marching you to your captivity, sing us one of the songs of Zion. I mean, they're mocking the nation. In other words, our God beat your God. Our God is stronger than your God. Marduk is a greater God than Yahweh Elohim. Uh, incorrect theology, it's an improper deduction, but they were mocked and seemingly in front of the people the reputation of God was being tarnished. Uh, well, they're in captivity not because God was weak, they're in captivity because they were idolaters. They were in captivity because they betrayed conduct unbefitting the children of God. They were, in the words of John, the book of the Revelation, they were liars. They professed to know God, but they denied God by their conduct. Uh, God is reminding him of his power and glory that he moved Cyrus to set them free. They're to get on the road, act like the people of God by returning home. 
you and I do the same thing. We are moving home. We are homeward bound. And in that regard, we display the majesty and the power of God. That God made us new, and our conduct betrays his power. Uh, we formerly were selfish. We were consumed with our own importance, our own riches or whatever. God makes us new uh, so that we should be consumed with his reputation. Uh, lastly, uh, the reason that they are to exhibit conduct by getting on the road to Babel, pardon me, to Jerusalem, is, uh, is it exhibits that they will know God. It's a, a promise of uh, Isaiah 52, 6. My people will know my name. It's a promise of God. Uh, the Father uh, makes us to know Jesus Christ uh, so that we come to him. There's movement uh, that we are not self-taught. Uh, we're not the product of human uh, teachers or pedagogy. We're taught of God. It's the reality of uh, the Apostle John. I trust a very familiar text to you. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 45. is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. And everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Uh, you know why you fled to Christ? Uh, whenever, if you're a Christian, you fled to Christ. You fled to Christ because the Father taught you, showed you. The power of God, the greatest, most only efficacious teacher in all of the world, is God the Father who teaches his sons to flee to Christ. I can relate to that. Uh, I wish my calculus teacher had been efficacious <laughs> because I certainly couldn't learn it. It was Greek, all of it, nonsense to me. I never could figure it out. We came to Christ, however, how? Because God opened our minds and taught us. You're a Christian. That's how you came. You fled to Jesus because the Father taught you is the only great effective teacher that when he teaches, his children learn. And in that learning, they get on Christ who is the way. Again, uh, often repeated text. Christ says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The way, what way? The way to the city. What city? Celestial city, the new Jerusalem. We're moving towards it, knowing that it will come and rescue us, deliver us. And so much is made in our culture of, of identity. Who are you? Policeman stops you, they want to see your license, your identity. Uh, you belong to an institution of higher learning, I suspect you have an identity card. I used to belong to the military. I have an identity card that uh, betrays that. Uh, every time I go on Tinker Air Force Base, show me your card. Show me your card that we should let you in. What is our identity card? Jesus Christ clothed us in his righteousness to make us new uh, and to exhibit that we live a life according to our identity card, and that we belong to the world to come, uh, that, that we are the redeemed, and only the redeemed will enter the heavenly city. All else will be excluded, shut out. Uh, because of what? 
the high cost paid by our Savior, the glory of God, and that we know him. Uh, it's a challenge, I think, of this new year. Uh, we belong in the roles of the great city. We have, we have the card. We have the passport. Not literally, of course, but spiritually. We carry the passport that we're the sons of God, that we belong in that city. It's coming. Uh, and our conduct exhibits that we belong in that city. Uh, and that conduct is uh, we, we get on the road who is Christ and we're moving towards the city. Uh, and our conduct exhibits that we don't love lying. Uh, we want our, our uh, conduct to betray the truth of our passport uh, as to whom we belong to. We don't want to be liars because that's an excluded class in heaven's city. And we set aside malice and anger and revenge. I mean, the whole world today is, isn't it really so much revenge? How do we get even? We're different. We're men made new. We belong to the only city that really matters. And in this new year, may the people that belong to Grace Bible Church exhibit that that spiritually speaking, we're on the right road, uh, Christ and his word. We're moving towards the city that's moving towards us. And may God keep us ever mindful that his presence in our lives engages uh, conduct uh, that should be equated with the passport uh, that we belong to the heavenly city. We're enrolled in that city. And because of his power and grace, we will enter that city and we will have safe passage and our conduct is an identity card. May it, may it be so. Uh, maybe it's a good time uh, for you to get alone sometimes this day and say, you know, I, I need to put aside anger and revenge uh, in trying to uh, mistreat people. Uh, maybe I need to uh, police up my language a little bit, not talk so much like my schoolmates. Uh, Maybe I need to uh, decline certain magazines when they're given to me because it's conduct uh, unbecoming. Uh, someone who's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, a reminder that that's the church exists for that. Uh, we have a passport. Uh, let's live according to the conduct that's true to our passports. That the sons of God, men made new. And let's encourage one another in this new year. The city will come for us, will rescue all of us, and we will enter world without end, joy without end. I do remind you, if you're a, someone here this morning, you're not a Christian. Uh, the prophet Isaiah and the apostle John has excluded people from the only city that really matters. Based upon a false profession of faith or conduct that's unbecoming the people of God. Now, your only hope is that Christ would clothe you with his righteousness. Uh, only he can uh, give you the identity card. And he does something else in his grace. He dispatches his spirit to make you new. That you would exhibit conduct according to your passport on your journey to the great city. Let's encourage one another in this. And let's be reminded of the grace of God that engages us in this great passport 
and conduct be fitting, that we belong, not to this world, uh, but the greatest city in all of time and history, the new Jerusalem, will come down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. And may God's grace uh, equip us and move all of us to these great and essential truths.